Hey, 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 lovers, haters, and spectators. Welcome back to another episode of the No Gag Order podcast. I am your host. I go by Coach Jay. And we have my dear sunshine back for another episode. I don't know how long this one will be. Could be a bonus. Could be a full. You have to stick around and see. Everybody, welcome my sunshine, Alyssa, back for another episode. Yay! Oh, cue the applause in the crowd. No, one day I'm really going to get sound effects, you guys. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> for coming back on the pod. Of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, friend. If you did not hear the previous episode with Alyssa, stop listening to this right now. Go back, listen to that one, and then bring it back to this one because this topic was something that Alyssa brought up in the last episode and I think that it is worthy of having its own bonus or full episode because it is something that will be super super beneficial if you want to go on a personal growth journey a self-love journey a healing journey quite honestly this skill can help you in every aspect of your life because I tell my clients perspective is everything so, Alyssa, you mentioned throwing things to me or bringing certain questions to me and reframing. And then the ability to reframe kind of has been super, super beneficial. So I would like for you to expand on that. And I'm going to ask certain questions and give certain explanations here and there about the power of reframing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... When you reframe, we know that, you know, when I say perspective is everything, right? That means your outlook, that means how you look at a situation. The example I like to give clients um, or anyone that I'm talking to that this is something I'm trying to help them get this skill. Everybody's heard the, the, um, the parody of the glass being half full or half empty, right? And if you see a glass, and it's half full and you see it as half full okay cool that's the positive outlook if you see it as half empty that's the negative outlook to break it down a little further i give the example if there was someone else whether it's your spouse or your children or something um in the house you're busy and you ask them to bring you something to drink because you're thirsty and they bring you a cup whatever your initial response is thank you i'm so thirsty that means you have a positive outlook or a positive perspective if your first is why didn't you feel it that means you have a negative outlook or perspective and it no matter what side you're on if you don't like whatever side of that equation you're on you have the power to change that the way that you change that is changing your perspective and reframing things so instead of seeing the glasses half empty if you're really thirsty look at it like okay I now have something to drink I'm less thirsty than I was before versus this is not quenching my entire thirst so reframing is kind of one of the skills that we use to change that and when you begin to reframe things you can then view them differently viewing them differently gives you different emotional reactions and responses And it kind of is like a domino effect on how you are. Because whether you think about the things that you don't want in life or you think about the things you do want in life, the things that you spend the most time thinking about in your mind, in your mental, in your head, 
is going to produce itself in your body physically as ailments or as good chemicals or it's going to produce itself in your real life if all you think about what you're afraid of I don't want to be broke all the time I don't want my car to break down I don't want that's exactly what you're going to get because that's where you're sending all of your energy and all of your power so now that we have the whole explanation of what reframing is Liz I want to talk about some of the reframing that you've done and the power that you found in reframing and how that's kind of helped you like you said over the past six or seven weeks in the last episode you said that you know you kind of have just been putting out to the universe that whatever is meant for you is going to come into your life and you've just been allowing happen and relinquishing control so let's talk about that a little bit okay um trying to think back to some of the most recent conversations you and I have shared um I know we talk all the time (laughs) about my lack of patience um so I have found myself working on that in various aspects of life whether it's personal or professional um in terms of just being able to just being able to have the patience to wait for any type of an outcome to happen especially I mean you obviously don't have control over certain or a lot of things (laughs) and somebody like myself who's both a planner and a control freak um it's very hard to practice patience but being able to reframe and kind of pivot in terms of re-channeling energy instead of waiting for this outcome or for waiting for something to happen that I have no control on the duration or for something to happen and just, you know, watching paint dry, so to speak, um, has been, you know, really great in helping me with trying to not control it but (laughs) trying to reframe the the thinking part of that yeah and kind of being anxious about the outcome oh my god yes (laughs) that was your thing it was like even if you couldn't control it you wanted the outcome to be a specific thing and and that's the only outcome you wanted so that control part comes in with to manipulate all the pieces to make sure that you get the outcome that you want or as close to it as possible yeah, it's like when you're rolling the dice and you need a, like a two or a five and you're like, okay, well, if I roll the dice this way, I can get a two or a five, but that's cheating. Right. Yeah, it's bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's super bad. It's super, super bad. I know um, when it comes to reframing, I know that... Of course, I'm, you know, I'm explaining all this. You're talking about your experience and it sounds so easy. But the thing, reframing is the skill. But I want to make sure that I'm clear when I, that that's going to look different for every person. Um, and, and the coping skills that you may need may not look the same as someone else. Um, and I thought about, you, you know, recent conversations. I thought about a good example. Um, so... There was a day that you were being impatient and you sent me a screenshot and I was <laughs> like, hey, I'm not saying what the problem is here. And you was like, 
Um, but I couldn't help it. And I was like, so you thought that something was wrong because of why? And he was like, you know what? I don't know. And then you said to me, you said, okay, I have to stop these intrusive thoughts. So here's my plan. For you, you are one, um, after all of these years of being busy and staying busy, like you guys, Alyssa has always had two, three, and four jobs. Like I, there has never been a time that my friend has not had a lot of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> um, in addition to being auntie and sister and all of these things that she would consistently do. So there was never not a minute that there wasn't something plugged in. Um, and during this journey, she backed off of um, a lot of that reframing, kind of how she was looking at her time. Um, and like she said, asking herself those questions of what she wanted out of life. Where was you leaving any room to have the things you truly wanted? And she was like, oh, you know what? And she kind of backed off of it, right? But in the moments where her anxiety is getting beefed up or she's having the intrusive thoughts that is making her be more impatient and the feeling of being out of control in those moments, what she has come to realize is for her, she does good with lists. She does like she cleans like I I don't I've well I can't say I've never, <laughs> but I have a few a handful of friends that thoroughly enjoy cleaning. I don't know why, but they do. Um, she is one of those people. <laughs> she enjoys cleaning, and it makes her feel a lot better. So what she did in that moment is she said, you know what, my thoughts are getting really intrusive. I need to stop them. So here's my plan to interrupt what is my habitual natural processing and this is what I'm going to do I said okay it sounds like a plan and she literally was texting me okay I've done this I've moved the bookcase I've moved like she literally was texting me I did this this, and this and I don't need to necessarily say anything I know that she's working through her process her coping mechanism when she can feel those intrusive thoughts that in itself from prior to starting this personal growth journey even seeing that the thoughts were intrusive was not a thing so the reframing has now put a spotlight on what that looks like i now can see and recognize when i am falling back into the way that i used to think and my actions and what caused them and now let me spend this energy a different way um can you talk a little bit about kind of your coping mechanisms and kind of what you have started to do when you find yourself falling back into the previous patterns because no matter how long you've been on the healing journey it is always going to be a thing that you have to revisit and keep yourself disciplined in certain areas once you have started that growth because it's so easy to just do what you used to do <laughs> oh absolutely um other than texting you first um <laughs> because I'm like oh my god it's spiraling um it's almost like I get like the anxious energy and it's like the energy is like in my hands and I have to do something um so that's why like the cleaning makes sense um because I'm able to move and I can move things and I can reorganize and I can put all of this anxious energy and these intrusive thoughts into something that is physically tangible that I can do stuff with. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've rearranged my closet. It's only so big. Um, <laughs> I've gotten rid of so much makeup that I don't even use. It's ridiculous. Um, but being able to know that, okay, this is 
the current process that we're using to help with these intrusive thoughts, to help with this reframing and the reprocessing of when this moment happens with whatever the scenario may happen or the situation is, but being able to identify it and be able to calm myself back down to think logically and to think through the intrusive thoughts is helping with being able to figure them back out to, again, calm myself back down and, again, logically think through the situation that I'm trying to counteract myself freaking out about for no reason. But it's because I'm used to whatever the previous situation or hold on psychological response was in terms of having that freak out moment or that anxious response yeah and the cleaning or something like that is um is one of your coping mechanisms um i know that one of your other coping skills that you use other than cleaning like Alyssa loves to work out Mm-hmm. I love the gym. She really loves lifting. That's why we're friends. Um, I just don't do it anymore. We're not going to talk about that, though. Um, but, you know, she loves the gym. So if she if it's something, let's say, let's say it may be something where um, and she works from home some days, goes to the office other days. Let's say something's happening at work and she's getting in a particular way. She may be like, OK, I'm going to take my lunch now. And she literally will go to the gym. And it's just interrupting those thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, for example, intrusive thoughts. Oh, you know, and if you listen to the previous episode, she talked about um, not necessarily liking to have certain conversations. Let's say she started a conversation and that person is responding in a certain amount of time. The, the intrusive thoughts would be, OMG, I wonder if they're mad. Are they upset? Or like, those types of things which says intrusive thoughts it is those thoughts that lead you down a rabbit hole of imagination and hypotheticals mm-hmm. those intrusive thoughts they come in and they take over that's what we mean by intrusive thoughts so you know one thought of oh they haven't said anything okay but what does that mean it doesn't it doesn't mean anything they didn't say they were mad and say they weren't mad mm-hmm. but that one thought turns into five which turns into 30 which turns to panic and all of that so before it gets too far down in there you realize wait this is intrusive because it's coming in and it's taking over it is stopping me in my tracks it's causing an emotional response out of me it is interrupting whatever i'm supposed to be doing right now i can't focus that means it's intrusive and we need to do something about it and kind of stop and reframe it yes one of the other examples i thought about uh recently with the reframing In the last episode, you know, towards the end, you were talking about how you have just opened yourself up to kind of tell the universe, I'm just here for whatever is supposed to be in my space is going to come into my space. Uh So you guys heard her say it in the last episode. I heard her say it. I know she said it in our text messages and everything. And then what will also happen is when those things start to fall into your face, the old of things start to come in there was recently a situation where she was invited to go to a particular workout she was like no I can't do that I'm not ready I'm not comfortable yet and then after she said I was like well what do you mean you're not comfortable what's uncomfortable about it you was like it scares me I'm not comfortable yet 
And yeah. I said, well, I'm uncomfortable about it. He was like, well, I don't know. And then he was like, well, I did say that I wanted to take that class. I just am not ready to do it again. I said, okay. So you told the universe that whatever you were supposed to do is going to fall into your lap. You have now this invitation to go right. to the class that you said you were going to try again. Mm-hmm. Because the old intrusive thoughts are telling you, I'm not ready. I can't do that. I'm not comfortable. You're not going to go. So you're going to do something else. But isn't the whole entire point to hang out with and spend time with this person? You like working out. They've invited you to a workout class. I'm not seeing the problem here. She was like, "Mm, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) but it's those types of reframes. I was like, but didn't you say that you are the one that said you were going to try it again? Yep. That person was nowhere in your atmosphere when you decided you were no. going to class again. No. That didn't know anything about that. Is this not the universe handing you what you said you wanted, which was to give this another shot and that you were expecting the universe to hand you things in the right timing in the space that you should have it. And now you're rejecting it. And so that reframing, next thing I know, she's like, okay, I've packed my bag. I have everything but this, but I'm going to stop at Target. And I was like, okay, great. She texted me, was like, oh, the class was great. Was it now, friend? <laughs> I mean, also in my defense, me and that person had also had the conversation, like, I think the first week. And we were talking about this class. And I was like, oh, you're better than me because I haven't done that in forever. And here we are, I think it was two weeks ago at this point, and the invitation was there. Yeah. I survived. I mean, here's the thing, though, right? You had that conversation. You've told the universe that whatever whatever is meant for you is going to fall into your lap, right? Yes. You talked about being on this journey and having people that support you. You talked about cutting off people from the past that were not serving you. Yeah. And nothing but people that serve you have been coming into your space. Yeah. So you had the conversation and told that person, oh, I haven't tried that in forever. That, number yeah. one, know that you've done it before. And you also expressed that you would one day do it again. Yes, correct. So have someone that is supporting, again, what you have said you wanted. So the universe has handed you someone to support you in your goals, someone else to support you in your goals. You know, even the connections and the things even that have been happening at work and stuff like that is like it's all coming into a space that's supposed to be in in the time it's supposed to be in we had a conversation and he was like I know I literally just talked to you about this yesterday I had an email about it today like you know what I mean like it literally is just falling into place but the habitual thing the thing that the previous version of you is just used to doing still needs the reframing even though you've come as far as you have come right right correct absolutely so I feel like the path <laughs> of I'm trying to think of the way to articulate this right so perspective is everything yes the fact that you can change the perspective is how you can get what you're wanting out of life so in my opinion, the power of reframing is literally almost immeasurable because if you can master or if you can if you can get in the habit of recognizing and reframing intrusive thoughts, recognizing and reframing habitual behavior, 
or your perspective of how you're looking at it and your approach, you literally can change everything. Yes. You can change all of the things. I mean, I talked about how, or I mentioned how you used to always work a whole bunch of jobs, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like you necessarily needed to, but in your mind, you're like, yep, yep, mm-hmm, nope, I need something else to do. Because yeah. you have two hours before bed, you need something else to do, friend. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, that's what it was and how it was. And even to the point of with what you do now on the main job that you have, um, even your approach there and how you've reframed looking at yourself and the value that you bring before you were willing to accept whatever these places gave you. Now you see your value completely different and you're like, nope, mm-mm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that the person that doesn't like to have conversations, <laughs> the person that doesn't <laughs> like to do this and avoid, you've even reframed how you view yourself and kind of the value you've given yourself. Yes. So when it comes to something like that, because how we view ourselves and the value that we've put on ourselves and kind of how we see everything else, when you've done something one way for so long and you've done something and saw something, even even to the point of looking at your reflection in the mirror and seeing completely different than what the rest of us see, how do you get to or um, what is it like now on this side of your journey where you have had growth, making sure you're maintaining that, like maintaining how you are looking at yourself and how your value is and reframing even the the parts that have always been part of you. Because, I mean, it's been a year and a half, almost two years, right? Uh-huh. But we're talking about 34 years of being... Uh-huh. Does that make sense? Like, you can't turn around a cruise ship overnight. And a year and a half came, like, overnight in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a matter of, like, so one of the things you said in the last episode was, and I'm sure you've said it in previous episodes as well, um, because I know we've talked about it numerous times in the last year and a half and then some, but healing is not a, it's not one chapter. It's never... there's never a final destination for healing right you're never on a healed journey you're continuously healing right um and I think with that and knowing that you may heal from one thing but then you're gonna find something else or you're gonna find a deeper level or you're going to dive further into something and be like oh I have to there's that too like I need to work on this you're constantly evolving And because of that or knowing that going into this journey, you constantly have to reevaluate your goals and your values and your self-worth. In doing that, it allows you to constantly pivot and adjust to see what it is that you want for yourself and for your life. Um, I will say that, of course, right now, being single and not having kids, I have the advantage that I can entirely be selfish Um, somebody that may be in a relationship or may have children may not be able to afford that type of selfishness because they may have other people they have to think of. Um, but being that I'm in the place in the space that I'm in, that I can be entirely selfish to work on myself, to be the best version of me. 
um, being able to constantly evaluate what I want and how I want to show up for myself and then how that will create the ripple effect for the things I do want in life with being in a relationship and being, you know, a mom someday. Um, it allows me to constantly evolve and reevaluate myself. So in doing that, I can keep this journey continuously going and growing to be the better version of myself. Yeah. And I would say, um, I'm going to ask a follow-up question. I'm going to revisit something that you said. Um, Cause there's another reframing that there's literally reframing is like my mind does it, but with, with constantly reevaluating, right. With constantly needing to do this type of work and reframing and um, constantly looking at your goals and all of that. Would you say that trying to think of the right way to articulate this because you know verbiage is important Mm -hmm. um well here I'll go to that point and then if I can think of a way to articulate it where it makes sense I will um but where you brought up the point of the fact that you're single with no kids and you can be completely selfish I would challenge the idea of selfishness um which it the word selfish gets a negative connotation mm-hmm. but I would challenge people's um concept of selfishness to say that everyone should absolutely be selfish there's duality in everything too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing blah 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 blah. if you do too much of this thing it can be completely catastrophic and and negative right but selfishness if I'm not the best version of myself then I can't really help anyone else right like um one of my things is if I don't take care of me and I'm pouring from an empty cup Mm -hmm. my kids are still not getting anything because I'm empty So putting me first and going and making sure that I am going after the things that I need, whether it is health, whether it is, you know, loving on myself, because self-care, that's health, like taking care of health. But loving on myself is doing things that make me happy just because they make me happy, not because it's going to benefit someone else, not because I'm having to justify it. No, I just like this. If I want to go outside and jump in a mud puddle barefoot, if that makes me happy, that makes me happy. I'm going to do it just because it's going to make me happy. Right. You know what I mean? Like doing those things first and then taking care of those around you, whether it is a significant other or children um, or both doing that first is what ultimately will make it where you are in the best position to give them the very best and actually be beneficial to those people. I talked about it in the episode with my friend Monroe. One of the podcasts that I listen to is Deval and Kadeen Ellis, and they talk about it all the time. Yes, they are parents, but they put each other, number one, they put themselves up there. I need to take care of me. Number two, they put each other first before the kids, because if we're not together, if we don't got this down, if we are not taking care of ourselves and each other, what can we really do for the kids? What are we going to give them? You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be upset. You're going to do all of these things. So I would even say that there's nothing wrong with being selfish. It all comes to balance. And I would challenge people to put themselves first before kids, before a significant other, before family members, before work, all of these things. Because if you are, you have nothing to give. 
you have zero to pour out <laughs> if you are on E. So I would definitely say that um, when it comes to self-love, self-care, and reframing and all of those things. Um, I challenge everyone to put themselves first and take care of themselves and then they can give their best self and pour out the way that they need to. Agreed. I still haven't figured out how to articulate what it was I was going to say. Plus, I forgot part of the question. So there's that. That's all. I'm going to blame it on mom brain, even though my youngest child is going to be... I don't know, 11, 12, I don't even know. I'm outnumbered. These kids, I don't know. Is there anything else that you would like to add about reframing or uh, any of any of the things about some of the tools or coping or anything like that? Um, I don't think so. I think as cliche as this is going to sound, but it's really a matter of trusting the process. Um, when you first start out on this entire journey and learning or relearning yourself through your traumas. Um, you really have to just trust yourself and sit in your feelings sometimes. And doing so will help you come out on the other side with better coping skills and reframing um, to help yourself just become the better version. Coming from the side of someone that doesn't necessarily like feeling all the feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How does it work through the feelings? Because that's a whole thing in itself, right? Like yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that is, you know, go through the different, uh, what did I, what, let me think about what I did. Like the different tests and learning your attachment styles and learning the different traumas you have and buy the self-help books and read them and the journals and any of those. Look, if, I mean, if you're not sure where to start, I mean look at Pinterest and look at different journaling prompts and create your own questions that way. I mean, I have, I think, four different notebooks that I write in on occasion. Um, it's literally just like, okay, grab this book and write in this one for the night, for the night or for the day, whatever. Um, I have my notepad in my phone that I will just, I have a couple different prompts that I work through. Um, and they're all different types of whether it's romantic or platonic um, family, sexual, health, all of those different types of topics to just continuously cycle through to continue with healing and trying something new or learning something different. Mm, so that's good. So you have a note that has prompts that you've answered before, but you go back periodically because you're a different person, you're at a different time, you're in a different space, you're, you're in a completely different area you answer those questions from that point and you kind of you kind of cycle through them yes and or I'll add on to them or I'll revisit them to like reread them to see like what my answers are and not necessarily to change an answer but to see if there's something additional that maybe I didn't think of mm -hmm. that in a new headspace maybe something that was initially suppressed may have been unlocked or been able to be revisited and I'll add on to it or seeing any of that um, will trigger a new question that was not initially there. Mm -hmm. um, especially some of the things in terms of like romantic and sexual questions. A lot of that has come from over the last year and a half of starting the journals and the notes and the prompts and continuously looking back on them to revisit them and see how to keep like 
revisiting them. I mean, I keep saying that, but to revisit them, but to keep adding on to them to really get to like the root cause of different things and traumatic experiences and reactions and triggers and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So we recently um, were, of course, we text all the time. And you sent me the video where the young lady was literally showing a visual of kind of how she worked through certain things and the trauma um, of her abandonment issue and different things like that. And the visual, you were saying that seeing it visually the way she put it was really helpful. Even though you've been on this journey for a while, it is something we've talked about. We've talked about the triggers, but visually seeing it, it made it kind of stand out a little bit more for you. Right, it did. And in this example, the young lady was talking about, you know, the trigger is here. And the trigger then tells you that, hey, something has to be fixed, okay? And then you ask these questions of figuring out what is that something? For the young lady in the video, it was her abandonment issues. And the way that the abandonment issues showed up for her, she had them listed out. This is what happens when that emotion or that feeling is triggered. I do this, this and I distance myself before you can distance, you know, before you can leave me, I leave you, you know, all these mm-hmm. things. Then she went to you know it went to another step and etc etc where i was going to go was the triggers right so Mm -hmm. triggers are our responsibility unfortunately what we typically do is someone triggers us and we get upset with them oh my gosh you lied to me i can't believe you did that and that's all we focus on is them instead of finding out why them lying to us gave us such a uh um sense of reactionary things like it did and finding out that thing and that trigger is there and one of the things I was gonna say Uh or bring up was you talking about how this is a continuous journey so it may be that you have absolutely worked on something and you worked on that trigger and it seemed like that trigger was now deactivated and it no longer was responsive and etc but at a different point in your life something else may trigger the root issue and there's more work to do there now in this new space now in a new form and it's now something different so your triggers change over the course of healing and the growth journey and all of that but the triggers are still there and through this process has there been things that you worked on you got to a certain point and then you were triggered again and when you actually start asking yourself certain questions it was something that you had already visited and how did you work through that um i think one of my biggest things has always been my attachment styles um and i've recently (laughs) recently learned that i have both (laughs) i laugh because i just i amaze myself sometimes um, I have learned that I suffer both with anxious attachment styles, but also avoidant attachment styles. So I am absolutely in the past. I have been that person that like, I can't handle, or I've not been able to handle well if somebody doesn't respond right away, or there's like a long period of time where they don't respond. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, they're mad. What's wrong? Um, and you know, that just creates those intrusive thoughts and the spiral downwards. But I'm also that same person that I'm like, well, if the vibe is off or the energy is different or something's inconsistent, I'm absolutely that person that I will consider leaving you before you have the chance to leave me. But neither one of those attachment styles are going to get me into a place where I have all of the things of, that I want for my life. So 
I've had to really work through those in the last year and a half in this dating world being what it is and really trying to figure out a where to really place my energy and my time because those are two currencies you never get back um but also in terms of trying to identify the feelings that happen when I start to feel those triggers of the anxious and the avoidant attachment styles coming back up and how to calm all of it back down to create back into that calming feeling of having or feeling in a more controlled environment. Yeah, and I think like the attachment styles, that anxious attachment style and even certain avoidant things, um, the attachment styles are the result of traumas that we experience as children right so when you when you trace it all the way back down for some people it may be rejection for some people it may be abandonment when you say things like that people think um like you say abandonment issues and people think oh your parents gave you up for adoption or somebody left you on the side of the road but no that's not necessarily what abandonment means it could mean that you as a child instead of having your parents be the the people that provided for you had to fend for yourself like in our millennial us latchkey kids we did a lot of stuff on our own for ourselves because our parents was out working so we inherently have abandonment childhood trauma because the people that we look to to take care of us and nurture us may not have been there to take care of us and nurture us or etc and so We'll look through it. And one of the things I know for me is one of those things of before you have a chance to make me look stupid, then I'll just leave it alone or I'll justify another way. Or um, I I may be that person that is also there trying to prove to you what the value was or that's how I used to be. I'm saying it like it's current. It's not. But that's how I used to be. I would try to prove my value. I was trying to do everything so that you would see how great I was or et cetera. Mm-hmm. That formative thing. Um, and as a result of the abandonment, we, we you know, oh, I'm a jump ship before the ship crashed because I see the crash coming. I know it's going to crash. Right. Um, and the video, I think that's one of the reasons you sent the video like, oh my god because you'll see things or conversations will come up and you'll realize that you still still have to work in that area I know that was a thing for me with all of my psychology background I thought that I had addressed certain childhood traumas and triggers and everything else and then when my dad passed away and dealing with a certain person I realized that a lot of the natural reactions that I had, that I had kind of suppressed and I worked through them. So I responded instead of reacting, the natural reaction that even nobody even knew I was having went all the way back to abandonment issues. And I thought that I was good in that area. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm okay. I've worked on that. No, no, no. (laughs) Right. Nope. Surprise. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Surprise. But that is where I was going to go before. It was the triggers and the fact that your triggers are always going to be a thing. <laughs> like, they just are. They just get yeah. triggered ways. It's like, oh, whereas before, if a feather landed on that landmine, it was going to blow. Now, instead of a feather, it's got to be a baseball. And then for right. a baseball, it's a ping pong ball. And then, like, you know, and usually yeah. triggers are usually hit 
only when people are close enough to you for them to actually bother you if you're a certain personality type like ours you got to be close to me for it to bother me so you got to be a a relative that i deem to be a close relative or a friend that i deem to be a close friend usually triggers are done by or people that you know like personally yes agreed completely other than you know there are certain things like achievements if you're going out for something at work and you don't get it or a rejection trigger or something like that but yes yeah, we'll save it for another episode though we about being latchkey kid millennials and talk about parenting and childhood traumas and how those triggers showed up relationships yes or, <laughs> or dating and the lack thereof because you realize when you get back out here in your adulthood you realize that you never actually dated so oh my like, gosh right like it's wild like what do you mean i never dated <laughs> you just you didn't it wasn't a thing Mm-mm. like it's not the same was not a thing and we both we both have similar stories where we were with people very young and thought they were going to be the forever and we went through life and we we dealt with them in that way like oh no this is just it type thing so yeah we'll talk we'll do another episode or two for that sure yeah because that's gonna be a minute (laughs) (laughs) we both have all the stories you have more dating stories than i have because even in my but i still didn't really do much dating relationship and you know but i didn't do much dating this is true this is true so friend thank you very much I appreciate you for coming on the pod again and and being vulnerable and unapologetically telling your story because I know that that's not necessarily the easiest thing because of boundaries or the lack thereof in your life leading up until this point as well as you haven't necessarily just openly shared certain things as far as about kind of your transition from being engaged on the road to being married and, and making that decision and then your journey of dating since then you haven't you haven't really, like been super open about that to the masses so i appreciate the exclusive my friend and trusting me and my audience with your your story and your insight and all of the work that you have done because you've done a lot of work and I'm super proud. Well, thank you because literally I could not do it without you. <laughs> Let's just be honest. In, in other words, this Aries is like, nah, bitch, you can't get rid of me if you wanted to. <laughs> no, ma'am. Absolutely. No. <laughs> Cheers to 20 plus years of friendship and 20 plus more because we absolutely nah, we're, we're together for life. <laughs> Regardless of what happens. Hey, 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 lovers. I'm just jumping in to go a little bit more into detail with very clear examples for rebranding. So, I'm just going to explain a little bit with some vivid So, to reframe something is to set apart what you focus on and to isolate certain things for a certain view. Isolate, you are framing it. So, when you naturally see it, you are focused on a certain part of it, which is the part that you are seeing and the part you are 
focusing on is the part inside of your brain. When you reframe something, you simply change what it is you're focused on. So I'm going to use a quite literal example first. If you, um, like I said, are a hands-on or visual learner, then you're going to want to pause and go grab a picture frame. Preferably a 5 by 7 or smaller for the sake of the example, just to drive the point home. But whatever size you can find is going to work. So, what you're going to do with this picture frame, you're going to remove the bat, you're going to take the picture out, and you're going to remove the glass from the frame. Now you should have an empty frame of whatever size you were able to find. Right? So, what I want you to do is I want you to walk around your house, your yard, or even do this activity in front of a mirror. I want you to find something to look at. If you're outside, um, if you're inside of your house, if you're standing in a corner of a particular room, whatever. I want you to stand with your head straight. I do not want you to turn your neck at all. But I want you to take inventory from one side to the other. So you're going to look at the full scope that your eye has the ability to see without turning your head. From left to right, right to left, up and down, everything that you can see in your learner's eyesight. Now I want you to take a mental note of everything that you see, the full view of what you see. Once you have done this, I want you to then hold up that frame in your hand. And I want you to make a mental note of what you see inside of the frame. You're still not turning your head. You're still only using your eyes. But you can only make mental notes of what fits inside of your frame. So if you have a 5 by 7 everything that is on the inside square of that 5 by 7 is what you are allowed to see. Everything else don't want to focus make your mental note now in comparison if everything you saw before you held up the frame to now only having a small amount that you are focused on you should see a vast difference your list should be so much shorter for what you see however what you see inside of that frame because you are now focused on it you should be able to describe with very very keen detail you did not change your position you did not move your head or change the actual line of sight you simply now have a smaller focus however what you see is now different and viewed in a different light so to speak you'll want to do this again making slight adjustments you can stay in the room that you're in you can go to a completely different scenery if you stayed inside, maybe go outside because you don't know everything. You're not familiar with everything that's going to be in that view when you're outside. There's other factors and variables that you have zero control over. So you'll want to go outside, do the same thing. Maybe try this a few times and make slight adjustments. Like maybe turn your head to the right or turn your head to the left. Or find a new view and then repeat the steps with the frame. And just really take in the difference between when you are taking in the full view, all of that information that your mind is processing versus the amount of information your mind is processing when you use picture frame. So in essence, you literally reframe 
the line size. And now you only see that small portion. And it gives you a completely different picture than you saw without using the frame. So let's put that into play. Let's use the example of if you happen to get anxious sometimes, um, or you know, you you have these spiraling intrusive thoughts like we talked about in this episode. If you're getting anxious about something that may appear to be a certain way or how it looks, if you reframe it and view that same thing, that same situation with a different focus, you'll get a completely different message. Sometimes we are taking in an overwhelming amount of scenery per se. So we cannot describe in detail or observe with detail what it is that we see and sometimes it's in the detail where things really matter so we're in essence just seeing a lot and it leads to overstimulation and you may not even realize that you're being overstimulated because we go throughout life being overstimulated 90% of the time but if you frame things and you go one frame at a time You are able to then describe with much detail what you see until you have a more accurately observed scene. So when you're taking in everything and your mind and your brain is trying to process everything all at once, you may get overwhelmed. You may feel like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I'm going to lose it. I can't hold it together because this is just too much. These are those moments where people make statements like, oh, when it rains, it pours, and, and those types of cliche statements. That's because you're finding the negative in everything. You're taking in everything all at once. And too much of a good thing can also be a bad thing, right? So when you're overstimulated and you're taking in too much, of course you're anxious, of course you're nervous, of course you're stressing yourself out. But you literally can view all of the information a little bit at a time you focus on certain things yes a b and c happened however in a there was a b c d e f g in b there was h i j k so reframing is choosing to assess and observe something with a different view to close one eye you know, it's like when you go to the eye doctor and they had you cover one eye at a time and then they had you use both eyes. You see differently out of each eye and then collectively together, the eyesight is different. Same thing. So to ignore the negative and use a frame to find the positive, then you'll focus on that portion of whatever the situation is. This can be done with any thought, any scenario, any situation, reframing can be applied in every aspect of life to everything. It is literally how you retrain your brain and how you kind of work your muscle to see things in a more positive light, to see things in a, in a way that is beneficial to you and not harmful to you. So when you reframe something that is perceived to be quote-unquote bad or negative you can ask yourself reframing questions well did this prevent me from making a huge mistake did this unexpected event stop me from being in a place at the wrong time 
did losing that job give me the space, the opportunity, and the availability to find a better job? Did I learn something about myself that I need to work on so that I can be a better version of myself in the future? Etc. 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 Essentially, you want to ask yourself questions to find out if there's another way that you can be observing this catastrophic event, this trauma, this traumatic event that happened in your life, this thing that you perceived as bad. Look at it from every angle. What was good about it? What lesson did I learn? How can I use this in the future so that I don't run into this issue again? Whatever it may be. I'll tell you a little secret. Duality exists in everything. So there is always a brighter and more beneficial way to perceive everything. My elders used to call it finding the silver lining. When you master this skill of reframing, you will get through all the dark thoughts, the inevitable emotions, the traumas, the quote-unquote setbacks, all of it. When you master reframing, you can make your way through everything. You won't feel like you have no choice. You won't feel like it's the end of the world. You won't feel like there's no coming back from this. When you can find that thing that is beneficial to you, You'll be able to make it out of anything. You'll be able to think your way out of anything. You'll be able to encourage yourself. Learning to reframe is when someone can come out on the other side of that fire and not smell like smoke, as they say, or quote-unquote look like what they've been through, as many people like to say. When you master this skill, you literally have no choice but to find happiness, fulfillment, and encouragement from within for all of my artists out there that draw or that paint oftentimes you know that you made a mistake because there's some line or some stroke there's something in your artwork that you didn't intentionally want to put there or you had no intentions on adding or you didn't intend for it to fall the way that it did meanwhile someone else sees something that's flawless they see artwork that's perfect. They don't see mistakes. You see the mistakes and someone else doesn't. It's the same piece of artwork, two different perspectives and two different lenses, two different frames. That's the only thing that's different is the perception. The only thing that is different with that painting is the eyes that are beholding it. The painting is what it is, but you can have five people standing there looking at the same painting, looking at the same photo, looking at the same sculpture, and they all get a different message because they are looking at it through their own lens, with their own perception, and with their own focal Essentially, reframing is the key. That's all there is to it. It is the key to personal growth. It is the key to finding happiness, to have unshakable joy regardless of what's going on in your life because you're choosing not to focus on the negative things. You're framing things in a particular way that gives them a certain light and a certain ideology. That's all I'm going to say about that. I could talk about reframing all day long. I could come up with example after example after example because I have learned reframing. But I'll leave it at that. Maybe we'll do another episode. Maybe tell some more stories about how reframing helped us and how we apply this skill to various areas. So, thank you for
listening. Join us for the next episode. Until then, make sure that you are loving on yourself. Make sure that you are giving yourself all of the accolades, patting yourself on the back, showing gratitude to yourself for being the amazing person that you are, flaws and all, imperfections and all. We are perfectly imperfect. So make sure you are loving on yourself. Again, you've been listening to the No Gag Order podcast. This episode is called The Power of Reframing. I am your host. I go by Sophie J. Until next time. Later.